Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here. It is really fun to see you guys all here today. Um, we are going to have a lot of fun, but we got some stuff we want to really dig into this morning. Before we do, I got to... I got to ask you for some grace around today's talk because um, I spent most of the time preparing this in a waiting room at a hospital down in Colorado Springs because my, my son and my daughter-in-law were down there getting ready to have their second child. And, and, uh, and so, so I, was, I was there. I mean, I've done that for a number of you guys too, where I've been in the hospital. I wasn't able to do that for our granddaughter because of COVID. So this one, I went to the hospital. I'm sitting there probably illegally in, the, in a waiting room that was closed. Um, but I sat there until the announcement went up that said, that said um, all, visiting hours are over. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, great, I'm going to miss it. And, and at that point, the, 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 she was like eight centimeters dilated. And I'm thinking, I'm going to miss this. I have to leave right now. Well, you guys, they ended up having the baby in the middle of the night on Friday night. And I did something I have never done before. I'm going to confess it for you guys. I pulled my clergy card. I went back, in, went back to the hospital, to the security guard at the front, and I, and get this, get this. I said to him, I said to him, hey, um, um, I know that in a lot of hospitals, um, a pastor is allowed to go in, even, uh, 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 even after visiting hours are over, to pray for people. Um, can I go pray for this couple? Because they just had a baby. And he said, they said, yeah, you could go do that. So... I texted Jack. Jack, is it okay if I come up? And he said, yeah. And so I walked in and the nurse was in there. And he says, hey, pastor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so totally, I mean, it's probably wrong. I'm sorry. I confess, Lord. But I got to see, look at, here's a picture of me in the middle of the night with, uh, with Jack and, and Emily and baby Dean. That's Dean. That's, our, that's the new baby. Um, uh, it's, so I now have a granddaughter and a grandson. Jackie last night was texting me. She said, she said uh, I got the, she's still down there helping him out. She said, I got the late shift. And so Jackie, this is Jackie holding little baby Dean. And so she's in her Disneyland right now. She gets used to hold her baby and uh, her baby. It's not her baby. It's our son's and daughter-in-law's baby. But anyway, anyway, so, so that's fun. So it might be a little clunky today, but it's, it's just because I was doing very important things sitting in a illegal waiting room waiting for my, my grandson to be born. Um, hey, one more thing before we get digging into this. I, um, I, wanted, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to spend some time to thank you and to explain what's going on in our church around our finances, okay? Um, I've tried to explain this to you guys throughout all of COVID, just the fact that when COVID hit, churches were hit pretty hard financially. Really, all nonprofits were hit hard financially. We were no different, and, and, and so we saw our finances kind of go down. And, and I've tried to give you guys clear numbers on that, too. And we had a Q&A time where Beth just unpacked it for 45 minutes, all the numbers around our finances at our church. Um, but here's what happened. Our numbers used to be, pre-COVID, around that 120000 a month is what we would receive. And then as, as COVID hit, those numbers kind of went down and they stabilized around 100,000. And that's what we set our budget for 21-22 on is around 100,000 or so is what we'd be getting in. And man, we try to make sure that every dollar is accounted for when it comes to that, for everything that we want to do to try to bless this community and live out the mission of Ascent. Well, it set, it's, we, we hoped that it would settle in right there at 100000 And so now we've been watching that as we've set our new budget for this next year. Well, I want to show you guys what 
what has happened over the last few months, okay? So in June, it went down to 93. So that was under that 100,000. And so we're going, okay, we're, you know, we, we might have to make some adjustments and change things a little bit and what we're trying to do at 93. But then look, at it. in July, it went to 105. And in, 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 keep going, in August, it went to 115. And so more and more people were, were given, and we started to see that. But then look at in September, it went back down to 97. This is the world of living in the church when you just kind of go, and now we're at 97. So now what do we do, you know? Maybe you guys all in September, I don't know, maybe that's when you guys lost all your bets about the Broncos, and so it went down to 97. I don't know what. I know, I know, it's, it's mean, it's unfair. Seahawks are in the same place, so it doesn't matter. So, 90, so 97, but look at October 131, 93, 930. That, I know that we receive a, a golf clap on that because you're not sure what to do in that moment. But let me just tell you what that does. When, when that kind of, when those kind of dollars come in, it means we can dream. We can dream even bigger. We can look at the, the Thanksgiving baskets and say, what else can we do? When we, when we look at the Christmas shop that's coming up and we know that there's going to be massive need, how can, we continue, how can we supplement it even beyond what the church is already going to be giving when it comes to those toys that we're going to be giving out to folks? It, 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 says, it says that our staff doesn't have to work in 48 degrees outside in here because we can turn heat on during the week in this building. And it gets really cold in this building. Of course, it pays salaries. You guys, I cannot thank you enough when a number like that comes in, it's just, it's just, in a lot of ways, it's the Lord saying, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? I love it. I love it that you guys respond, and, and we've said this all along, that you're not responding to something, you're responding from something, and you have responded from what the Lord is doing on your hearts, and then you give to what you believe is what the Lord is doing, and that's what you're doing, and and and. and I wish I could say it in a way that re really conveys how much we're thankful for that and how much we know that when you're sitting there thinking about that and writing those checks or you're making that direct deposit or whatever you chose to do, that that, that was a sacrifice on your part and that's your work between, with you and the Lord and, and we're blessed because of it. And I'm so thankful for that. In fact, you guys, just in the last couple of months, we've had nine new families that have given. And, and that, that nine, that doesn't sound like very much. That's nine more folks that have said, yes, I believe in this vision too. And I'm stepping into it as well. Those are all things that just tell us God is at work in this place. And we are excited to see what he's going to do next. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's get into what we're talking about today. Let's, let's get into this. Like Chris said, we're in the third part in a three-part series on Job. If this is your very first time that you've come to Ascent today, or if you've missed a bunch, and so this is your first time back and you've missed a the first two, that's okay. When we do these talks, we want to make sure that we can do it so that you didn't have to hear talks one and two to understand what's happening in talk three. We'll, we'll, we'll go back and talk through some stuff. Um, we want to make sure that you get that. And then if you want to go back and learn some more about this book, Job, this, this, this the oldest story in all the Bible, two thousand years before Jesus, a story not of suffering like a lot of people think, but a story of faith, a faith in the midst of trials, 
because every single one of us will go through trials and we need to learn what it looks like to have a faith in the midst of those. That's what Job is all about. That's what we've been, we've been discovering together and we hope we can grab on a little bit more to that today. So let's pray together and let's dig into what he has for us today. Father, we're so thankful. We're thankful for you and what you are doing in our lives. We're thankful that you are present. Lord, we're thankful that that this story, this story from thousands of years ago, speaks to us today. We have the trials, and some people are going through them right now. And what they need to hear is that you are alive, you are present, and you are speaking to us in the midst of them. Lord, we pray that you would continue to speak to us today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to start this way. I have a twin brother, and some of you guys know him. His name's John, and he, he looks just like me. If he were to come up here and preach, you'd think it was me. And, and John and I, we see a lot of things similar. But there's one thing that we just we disagree on, and that's the quality of a movie. See, John, John's, John, when John looks at a movie, he wants it to be wrapped up perfectly. He wants, he wants to walk out of the theater and just go, man, it is, it, it, that was so fun, and I'm happy at the end. And I don't want to be not happy at the end. So that, so that story better end well. That's why one of John's favorite movies is San Andreas. The Rock that comes in and all of San Francisco is destroyed. But in the end, The Rock and his wife go on a boat and they find the girl. I'm sorry if I'm ruining the end of the movie, but they find his daughter and she's drowned and, he, and, then, he, and he resuscitates her and she comes back alive and, and, and John and his wife get a high five each other and go, man, that was a good story. John loves that. I, I, I like a story that's got a little bit more I don't know, maybe there's a little bit more tragedy at the end, but it's something you think about. Braveheart or Gladiator or, or when, when, when Kate and Leo are on that piece of wood and, and Kate says to him, I'll never leave you, Jack, or something like that. Is that what it, no, no, she doesn't say I'll never leave you because he's going to leave him. He's going to die right there. She said, what does she say to him? I'll never let you go, which he does, and he dies, but she lives. But that's tragedy. I'm sorry I just ruined that movie for you guys 30 years ago that should have seen it. Um, but I, I like some of those. I like, I, like, I like it when Tom Hanks is looking at, at Matt Damon and says, earn this, before he saves, saves Private Ryan. I like that. I like when, when Ryan Gosling is, is, is singing that song in that jazz club and Emma Stone's going, that's the love of my life. I like, you have to kind of live with that. Oh, man, I've been great if they were together, but it makes us think a little bit more when they're not. Les Mis, come on. There's all kinds of movies that end a little bit less than exactly what you want, but it makes you think. Well, we're looking at this story of Job, and in the very end, in a super unlikely turn at the very end, it ends well. God restores Job. John gets what he wants. That it's that, that Job actually gets what he has lost in some way. See, here's what happens in Job. In Job, at the very beginning, it got, this, I'll, I'll just do a little recap. That God, God picks. God has this person that that is is upright and did it right and did everything good. There's it's there's intentionality in that. 
I talked about this in week one, that, that so many people prescribe to, to a contract theology says, if I do it well, God's going to bless me. And if I do it wrong, God's going to curse me. And God's going, no, no, no. Trials are going to be there no matter what. You could do it all right and you're still going to have trials. You could do it all wrong and you might not have as many trials. We can't compare it to what we've done right or wrong. And because Job did it right and yet the trials came about. And Job lost his family and Job lost his wealth. Job lost his house. Job lost his kids. Job lost it all. And now it's chapters one and two of Job. But then for the next 35 chapters, this is what Chris unpacked a little bit last week, 35 chapters, these guys come along and they start asking Job, what did you do wrong? Why did this happen? And they're trying to put pieces together to try to describe why suffering happens. And Job is there and he's complaining and he's complaining to them and he's complaining to God. What's beautiful about those 35 chapters, as hard as they are to read, is that it's honesty. There's honest, honest conversation. Listen to what he says, you guys. In Job 10, Job says this to his friends. I've only had a few days left, so leave me alone, and I may have a moment of comfort before I leave, never to return for the land of darkness and utter gloom. See, see Job is looking at his friends and just going, leave me alone. How many times have we done that? Job is looking to God in Job 14 and says, but instead as mountains fall and crumble and his rocks fall from a cliff and his waters wears away from the stone and floods wash away the soil, so you destroy people's hope. Have you ever said that to God? Man, I just have no hope. You've taken that hope from me. Job 19, it says, and he says this to anyone that would listen. I cry out, help, but no one answers me. I protest, but there is no justice. See, what I love about this book, some people would think that this book is a propaganda book for God. But it's not, it's real. And it's real life, and it's real life stories, and it's somebody that's going through an incredible amount of pain and trials, and he's expressing that. And we need to know that that's okay to do that. It's okay to do that to a friend. It's okay to do that to anyone that would listen. It's okay to do that to God. And Job did that. And he's just being honest about the pain that he's going through. If we can't be honest with God about the pain we're going through, then what kind of relationship is that if God's calling us to be in relationship with him? And so he's going, let's be honest about that. And so these guys were. But in the end, here comes, the, here comes God. And God says, man, Job, in chapters 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, God is going, man, Job, were you there when I set the stars in place? Were you there when I created this earth? Were you there when those mountains over Colorado were created? Were you there? He's going, man, I've been there from the very beginning, and I know, I know what I'm doing. You don't, but I do, and I'm with you. And then God does something in 42. He says this, it says this listen to this, in Job 42.10. It says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials. 
the Lord had brought against him, and each of them brought him gifts of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. So John gets it. John gets his wish. It ends, it ends well. But you guys, I think part of the reason why, I mean, I so re, have related to Job, and, and, and I've loved this book for a long time, and, and I think part of the reason why I struggle with this end is I think sometimes this end can be dangerous. Because we'll read that and we'll just say, so that's exactly what's going to happen to me, exactly what happened to Job. Well, if you're going to be restored that way, then I'm going to be restored that way too. And so now I'm waiting. I've lost this job. I'm going to get another job that's going to pay twice as much as that job did. I've lost this person, but I'm going to find somebody else that's going to be far greater than that person. We start to, that, that can happen with Scripture, and we have to be super careful with it. That when something happens in Scripture, if we just say, well, that's going to happen to us, maybe that's not exactly what God had in mind. But there's a lot of people in my position that can take something like that and say, yes, see, that's going to be there for you too. You just got to have enough faith and it's going to be there for you too. Man, we can't do that. But what we can do with something like this and what you can do when you're reading Scripture is we look for the character of God in it. What's the character of God in this story? And the character of God, I know, is a God, he is a God that is a redeemer, and he is a God that is a restorer. That's the character of God. Our character of God is redemption and restoration. We see that throughout Scripture. Our God is a God of, uh, uh, that redeems that his original plan was, was, it was perfection with relationship with his people. But we turned our back in sin from God. And then God turned that right there from that moment on, from, that, from turning our back on him in the Garden of Eden, from that point on, this became a redemption and a restoration story. We know that our God is a God that redeems. Now, you guys, redemption is something that has already happened it happened through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And because of what Jesus has done, our lives have been redeemed and we're now back in a relationship with God and we can be in a relationship with God because of God's redemptive work in our life. Because of what he did on that cross, we're redeemed. When you walk with a, with a guilt over something you've done, man, we have got to remember, man, that's been taken care of. Everything you have done, everything you will do, God has already taken care of that on the cross. That's his redeeming work that he's done. Listen to what it says in Psalm 103. It says, God is the one who forgives all your sins, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Let that sink in. The character of God is a God that redeems us and has redeemed us through Jesus and the love that he has for us through his son. But God is also a restorer, and that's what I want to spend some more time with. God restores us. He is a God of restoration, but it's not just, it's not, it's not restoring like you'd restore an old house that you restore it to make it look like it originally did. No, no, biblical restoration is this. The biblical meaning of the word restoration is to receive back more than has been lost to the point where the final state is greater than the original condition. The main point is that someone or something is improved beyond measure. And God's in the business 
of restoring us, in the business of, of, of making it even greater. That's God's restorative work. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter. Peter is a man that knows the need for redemption and the need for restoration. And listen to what he says. He says, and then after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. See, God's a restorer. But here's what we need to hear. That while Peter says that, he also says this. And this is one of the first passages I remember. He said, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you and he will lift you up in due time. See, see God is a restorer, but he's going to restore us on his time. God's going to restore us in his way. And that restoration might happen today, but that might not happen till the day we see him face to face. Paul writes this in Philippians. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day that we see Jesus face to face. Until the day of Christ Jesus. That God is restoring us and he's continuing to restore us. And we might see glimpses of that restoration and we celebrate that blessing. But he might not even restore us fully until we see him face to face. It's, that, it's, it's any and all of that. And sometimes we don't like that. See, our timing is different than God's timing. Our timing is always right now. Restore me right now. Fix it right now. Deliver it right now. Give it to me right now. And God's saying, I'm in the process of restoring you. And will you trust me that I can uh, I will, I'm restoring you in the way that I know that will be best. And that that might not even happen until I see you face to face. You might not see the result of that until then. I want to I introduce you to a theological concept that... that that you'll, you'll never use this word again. I guarantee you won't. But, but it's a word that is taught in seminary. Um, we sat in a seminary class and the professor is, 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 shares it and, we're, and all of us are like, wait, tell me, what's that mean again? It's called inaugurated eschatology, okay? Impress somebody with that, you know? Go to the gas station and pump your gas and then go inside and buy something and just say, man, this is like inaugurated eschatology right here. It, it, it wouldn't fit, but... Um, Inaugurated eschatology, you guys, you know what, what that is, is, is the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to listen to this because this is super important for our faith. And I'm really praying today that it doesn't get too um, wordy or heady that we just check out from this. So please don't check out. Inaugurated eschatology is, is saying that the kingdom of God is already here and not yet complete. The kingdom of God is already here, inaugurated through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, but not yet complete. And so we live in the, the, the already and the not yet. Our faith is shaped in the already and the not yet. 
Our patience is tested in the already and in the not yet. What we see God work, we see him work in the already, but we also see him in the not yet. See, this is, this is super, super important for us. It's, it's, we're redeemed already. We're being restored, not fully, not yet. It's, it's being confident that you began a good work and you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus, not yet. See, see think about it this way. The, the kingdom of, when Jesus prays his prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is praying, your kingdom, God, come, and it's come through Jesus, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's ultimate plan for us, is that, is that what earth would look like is the same as what we see in heaven, that the perfection and that the, the relationship, that, the, that, that there would not be any more pain, there would not be any more sorrow, there would not be any more tears. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the not yet. But at the same time, the Pharisees were asking Jesus one day in Luke 17, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus says, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say here it is or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Does that contradict itself? Not when you're thinking about the already and the not yet. And this space that we live in, in between there, there's a lot of mystery in it. You'll see, you'll see God restoring somebody, and you'll see a miracle happening in one person's life, and in somebody else, it doesn't happen. But that doesn't mean that God is not continuing to, to restore us. Because his work goes far beyond the grave. His work continues. It's why it's, you, you want to be able to figure God out and say, oh, I see his pattern, and you can't. Because every single one of us, God right now is restoring you and uniquely working with you. And your story is going to be different than the story of the person right next to you. And so, while your story might have this blessing that you can't wait to share, somebody else might not, but that does not mean that God is not continuing to restore you and he's carrying on to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. When you look at Psalm 23, you guys, Psalm 23 is a, is a psalm that we, we, um, that we read all the time at, at memorial services, but it's not a story, it's not a psalm of death, it's a psalm of life. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. In this already to not yet, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still quiet waters and he restores my soul. And God's in the business of restoration and he's working on that right now in you. Working on your heart, working on your mind, working on your soul, restoring your body, restoring your relationships, restoring your loss, God's at work in that right now. We'll see it come to complete fruition when we see him face to face. And you might even see glimpses of it right now. See, the, Job, the entire Job story is a microcosm of what God's doing. It starts with perfection, and then, it, then it's loss and it's chaos. 
And it's us trying to figure that out in those 35 chapters. And then it's God coming back to us and saying, man, I'm with you all along and I'm working on you all along and I'm restoring you all along, but we just don't get it. And we don't see it the way we want to see it. And Job didn't get it. He wasn't seeing it the way he wants to see it. And God's going, man, I've been there since the stars were being formed in the sky. And I know that it's hard for you to figure it out. But I'm walking alongside you now and I am restoring you whether you you know it or not. I mean, I look back at this and in the study that I've had in Job, I start thinking, you know what? We live in chapters 3 to 37 in a lot of ways. I think we live in those days. In those, those, that chapters, those chapters where, where, where it's not quite exactly the way we want it to be, or it's not exactly the way we would write the script, and we have one of two choices in there. We can either in this place gravitate towards frustration and impatience and question God and question each other and, and just say the heck with it and, and step away, We're tempted to do that on any hardship that we face, anything. You're going through it with sickness in your family, you're tempted to run. You're going through the hardship in your your workplace or in your school, you're tempted to run. And we, we can do that. And Job was doing that in those chapters. Or, or, we recognize the character of God that is a God of restoration and redemption, and love, and saying, thank God I'm in his plan. Thank God I'm in his arms, because I'd rather be here than running. Man, that's, that's us in this place that we sit in the already and the not yet, you guys. And this is why, you guys, this is why We have to cling to hope. This is why we have to cling to hope. Because we will have those different directions that we could go. And one of, us, one of it leads to a hope in the restorative work of God that was that's carried on to perfection. And one of it leads to just disappointment and wander. I've told you guys many times before that one of the big crisis of faith moments for me in my life was when my grandpa got Alzheimer's. And I didn't get it. Roger Stevens, this godly, loving man that was, that was towering for me as a kid, taught me how to, how to play golf, taught me how to do my taxes, taught me how to, taught me how to, how to gamble at cribbage. You know, he, he, my, my grandpa was, was, a, was, was just, a, 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 just a beautiful man in my life. And then he got Alzheimer's. And the next thing you know, he didn't know how to turn, put his pants on. He didn't know how to feed himself. He didn't know how to go to the bathroom by himself. He didn't know his wife, even though my grandpa Roger and Irene were married for over 60 years. And I asked God, God, I don't get this. And we're in this place right now. And I'm in that place. I'm in that moment just like Job where I'm just going, I don't get this, Lord. What are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. And I can choose to go that route fully and just go, I'm just frustrated and, it's, and I don't, it doesn't make sense and I want to leave. Or we can recognize God is in the business of restoring. 
Then I look at my grandfather and I'm going, God is, God is restoring him. Does it look like he is in the midst of Alzheimer's? No, not in my limited understanding of what God's doing. But I tell you what, in, in, in Roger Stevens' life, Jesus carries it on to completion till the day of Christ Jesus, and he carries it on to completion with Roger Stevens. And he restores him fully. And that gives me hope. When you have, when you have a shattered heart over a relationship that has been broken, or you have a shattered heart over a relationship that is lost due to death, when you have that shattered heart, we can lean on the hope that we have in a God that will continue to restore. And when he restores, as he's working on restoring your heart, you might even start to see glimpses of that in your life. And you might say, man, I can learn to love again. And my heart will learn to love again. Man, that is a gift from the Lord as he continues to restore us. If we are looking at it and we're saying, man, I have no, I, all hope is lost. All hope isn't lost because we still have hope in a God that is in the business of restoration and redemption. You guys, this is why it's so important to, to share our stories. Because when you share your story, your story of God's restoration, when you share that story, when you, when you share a, the, the, the faces of ascent and you share that story of what God's doing in your life, that not only acknowledges what God is doing, but encourages somebody else that isn't seeing that. Now, sometimes that you can get discouraged. You go, why, did, why there and not here? But we, we hope that, that it will encourage each of us to step closer to the character of God that's a God of restoration. And so we share that story and we share it with joy over what the Lord is doing. And then it gives us the perspective to say, and I want to live to that gift. God has restored me and I'm going to live to the gift that he's given me in that. See, see it's why our calling matters. See, the kingdom of God is, is, is already and not yet. And he asks us to be a part of that kingdom. And he calls us to be a part of it. He says, I want you to be a conduit to restoration. I want you to help somebody else grab hold of it because it's so tempting to run that direction. It's so tempting to, to, to run and say, I don't have any patience for this. I don't want to do this. And, and so, so for us to be people that will recognize that it's our job to be conduits of God's kingdom by saying, I'm going to help someone to see that God is in the process of restoration. That's a calling matters. That's why character matters. So many people these days are saying, it doesn't matter what your character is so long as you stand for this. And God's going, what? Your character absolutely matters because you're a conduit to, to God's kingdom and his restoration and his love. Your character absolutely matters when it comes to that. And so, our, so we have to recognize how we're living this out to be that conduit for somebody else. This is why worship matters because we come together and you're sitting next to somebody that, is, that, is, that is, has found restoration happening and they want to praise the Lord for it. And you're sitting right next to somebody that hasn't found it at all. And they're hurting like crazy and on the, on the edge of running. And this is where we come together and worship together, both in lament and in praise to a God that in the end we know is a God that has, his character is about restoration. And his character is about redemption. 
This is why it's super important for us to guard against the temptation to run. Because we, we want to run when the trouble hits. But the very thing that we might be running from is the very thing that God might be restoring in your life. This is why we got to listen to Chris's talk last week on caring for each other and what that looks like to care well. This is why it's important for us to recognize that, that the Holy Spirit is at work in this. This is our life, you guys. 3 to 37, our life, the already and the not yet. And the Holy Spirit's at work in there. I love the Passion Translation of this. It says, The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows because our God is a restoring God. Peace that subdues because our God's a restoring God. Patience that endures. I know that God is at work and will carry it on to completion no matter what I see or what I feel or what I wish it would be. Kindness in action a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, how unrelenting is your hope-filled patience in our Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope-filled patience. Because we know that impatience, impatience will lead us down poor pathways. Impatience will push us away from the very care of the people that are right next to us. Impatience will make us make hurried decisions out of us. Impatience will lead us to compromise, but not compromise in a good way like you'd want to see in a marriage, but compromise in a negative way where you're saying, I know what is right and I'm going to compromise that. Impatience we see in anger. And this is where we're going, man, that's all rolling down the road that Job was rolling down. And God is saying, I'm here, and I've been here, and I'm working with you, and I am restoring you, and I will carry that on to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. I want to finish with this, you guys. I was sitting with Moa Goulis and, and talking to her about this this last week. Moa is, is a good friend of mine and somebody that lost her husband to ALS just in this last year. Vic was a mentor of mine in my life. I've talked about him a number of times here because he left a real mark on me and left a mark on a lot of you guys. And I sat with Mo this last week and I was talking to her about this talk and talking to her about just life since she's lost Vic. And she said something to me and I'm going, man, Mo, that is exactly what I'm talking about. She said this. She said, this is what I, she feels like God is laying on her heart. Will you let him orchestrate without you stepping in to manipulate? Will you let God orchestrate my life, through all of the up and the down, will you let him orchestrate in doing the, the powerful work of restoration that might be seen in this life now and for certain will be seen in the life to come? Will you let him orchestrate or are we stepping in to manipulate? to try to fix it ourselves and go our way and do it our way and, and say, oh, I don't, I, I, I'm gonna be over here and I'm gonna, I'm gonna let the impatience win. I'm gonna run over here and I'm gonna manipulate it from here. I, and I'm sitting there with Mo and I'm trying to think of what I would tell her to encourage her in this season of life after she lost the love of her life. 
And she's telling me, God's restoring me, restoring my heart and my mind and my soul. God is orchestrating this. And I got to let him do it on his timing, in his way that might be different than my way. I think about that for myself. I think about that for our church. I, people have asked me, Bill, don't you just want to snap your fingers and get us right back to 1,200 people again like we had right before COVID? And you know, I tell them, I tell them, to be honest with you, no. I think that would be manipulating the situation. And I want to let them orchestrate. I think God's teaching me and teaching us some things in this season. In this season, while we know restoration is there, is coming, he's teaching us about ownership and the ownership in this place. And it's not about me or any staff person, but it's us owning this together. He's teaching us about surrendering to the Holy Spirit. He's, he's redefining success and what the success looks like. He's asking us, will we trust in a sovereign, invisible God even when things around us confute that trust? And he's teaching us that we need faith at the precise moment that it seems impossible. I think God's teaching our church that right now. And I think that God is restoring us in his way, on his pace. And you know what? Even if that number is 92,000 next month, God's still restoring us. And if that number is 150,000, God is restoring us and we will jump out and celebrate that. A glimpse of that restoration. He's doing that for you and me too. I, I've, I've appreciated this, this series on Job in my life. Someone asked me, ooh, does that you feel like you're just gonna be depressed for the next few weeks as you're studying that and spending time in it. And, and, and I thought maybe I would, but this has been a great journey of faith and saying, do we recognize our God is a redeeming God that has set a stake down through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus to redeem me. And he's a restoring God that will restore and will continue to restore. And that work will be done until the day of Christ Jesus. Will we believe that? It's interesting, Job at the very end, I mean, Job in the, right in the middle, right in those chapters that I said we're living in that three to, 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 to 37, says this in 19, he says, as for me, I know that my redeemer lives. As for me, I know that my redeemer lives. And now he's restored couldn't conclude that in that moment, but that's the truth. We're in the already and the not yet. Will we find peace there? Will we find patience there? Will we let him orchestrate there? This part right here, we've got to grab hold of because this is the life that we have and we can choose one direction or another. And God is saying, I'm here and I've been here from the beginning. I created those stars. I've created you. And I'm walking with you now. And I will keep working on you. It's a promise to the day we see each other face to face. Father, I pray that, that, that 
in the midst of the storms that we each face, in the struggle that we have, in the, in the challenge, in that moment where we are so on the edge of the cliff saying, I'm going to run and I'm going to, I'm going to, that the impatience is winning, the anger is winning, the frustration is winning. God, in those moments that we are living out just as Job did, one, we thank you that you don't leave us even as we see that in our life. And two, we thank you that while we might not even know it or see it, you are in the process of already restoring us. I thank you, Jesus, that I get to look forward to that in my life here on this earth. I get to look forward to that in my life for eternity. I get to look forward to seeing Roger Stevens fully restored. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to live in the hope that we have in you a God that never stops working on the people that you love. It's in your name that we pray, amen.